Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time once again for, you know, it's fake, right? The ongoing battle with the dirtiest four-letter word in pro wrestling. Uh, This is an interesting show because I'm coming to you live from Orlando, Florida. That's actually not true. I'm not in Orlando. I am in the uh, Breaker and Bane headquarters uh, recording the intro for this episode. And I will do the same for it next week's, although I will actually be in Orlando. So it'll be kind of nice to take a little podcasting vacation as it were it's a vacation in general I'll be gone for about 10 days so happens to run across two mondays and two sundays so breaker and bane's power hour and you know it's fake right we'll both be kind of um done a bit differently my dog's in here sniffing everything and stepping on stuff of course which is fine hey be hey sit down over there i'm trying to record a podcast i'm trying to be professional but i still want to bring you uh i still wanted to bring you something and i still wanted to uh um, make sure that the episodes came out when they were supposed to, which is, uh, the goal of any podcasters to make sure that their content is, um, congruent and always comes out when they say it's going to come out. And that's what I'm going to do here. And, um, I guess this week is a uh, Wesley Crane. If you don't know Wesley Crane, he's a very up and coming pro wrestling star. Uh, he is from Oklahoma, but has kind of ventured into Texas. And I think he's, uh, he's going to several other States. I believe, uh, Missouri this year, uh, maybe even Alabama. Maybe, maybe I could be wrong there, but he's doing a lot of traveling. He's a guy that, you know, I, I remember when he first came in and now he's like starting to build steam for himself and does some crazy stuff maybe. And, uh, stuff that I wouldn't necessarily tell someone to do, but he's kind of got that high risk, risky style. And we, we kind of dive into everything from fandom to, to wrestling, to everything in between life in general. It's a great conversation. It's my first time talking to, to Wes on the show. He kind of approached me. He's like, hey, man, I'd like to do your podcast sometime. And uh, when he did that, I was still doing interviews on Breaker and Bane's Power Hour. So I was like, oh, definitely. But, like, look, give me some time because I'm going to transition to this new show. And he fit in great. And it was it's always, to me, great to – it's great to bring in people that I podcasted with before. But it's also great to have a new face on the show that I've never podcasted with. That's a really fun thing. Uh, a few weeks ago, Baracus never spoke to him more than a couple of seconds, and we had an hour-long conversation, and it was fantastic. And so each each episode will be different, and I think that's what makes this show a lot of fun. So I'm not going to flap my gums on this part too terribly often here on the open, but I, uh, I'm i going to send it over to my conversation with the one and only Wesley Crane. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Joining me here in the studio, Mr. Wesley Crane. What is going on, man? Nothing much, dude. Um, I know uh, very much like uh, Dimitri, we, we kind of had some scheduling issues trying to get this all fit in. And that's finally... that's the world of podcasting, isn't it? Yeah. There's always scheduling issues, but we made it. We were yeah. here, you know, so it's all good. Um, we've actually never podcasted before. No. So I've known you for a few years now. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. So it's kind of you actually hit me up at a show a while back. Like, hey man, I like the podcast. I'm like, dude, absolutely. Let's let's make it happen. So we're finally here. So I got to start at the beginning. 
why wrestling? What got, what got you into this crazy industry? So, um, as you know, and I'm not sure who else may know, but my dad, you know, was a ring announcer around the uh, Oklahoma scene and then branched out into like Missouri and stuff like that. Um, so I, I kind of grew up with it. And so you're a young kid getting exposed to probably the ins and outs, right? Early yeah, on. Yeah. I, w- I, I came around right around the age of two. So oh, yeah. it's basically all I've known. All you know, right. Yeah. You have no choice. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, I remember I was probably 16 or 17 and I, you know, I made the decision like, yeah, I, I want to wrestle. Mm-hmm. And, um, at about that time, my dad was like, well, we just did all that stuff with Harley. Um, I'll reach out to Harley and, mm-hmm. and we'll get it, you know, we'll get it going. And that never came about. So, um, I ended up training with, what year was that roughly? Uh, let's see. 20, like 2011. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and so like that never came about. Um, eventually I ended up with Brandon groom and, um, Brandon trained me less and I ended up getting trained more so by Steve Cox. Okay. So um, I got more of the old school training that a lot of the guys coming in now like didn't get. Um, and that's a good thing, I assume. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I, I value that more than I think anybody could. I mean, you, you could probably, you know, um, you probably got that as well, right? You, oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so... You know, of, the way I was trained, though, was like we, we they didn't focus at all on character. Right. Which I think kind of hurt me years later. But, it, but like, at the end of the day, it's like I didn't have any sizzle, especially early on, but I certainly had the steak. Right. And and that's one of those things. You start seeing guys with a lot of sizzle, then no where steak. does it – Yeah, no, yeah. it doesn't go anywhere. Right. Um, and, and see, with, with Steve, it was solely, like, let's focus on the wrestling stuff. Right. And, and of course, me being a young kid, like – Oh, Jeff Hardy and, and want to do stuff off the top rope, you right. know? Yeah. And, and so, um, they were like, yeah, maybe we could do something, you know, where you paint a spiral on your face and you're crazy. And I'm just like, oh, that, that sounds lame. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's so out of the box for that era, you yeah. know, of like the, probably the eighties and seventies and stuff. Sure. Yeah. Um, so like my, my mind has always been super creative, but Steve gave me those basics and fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Sadly, those were ripped away really fast because, as we know around here, it's like, oh, you've trained once? Cool, let's put you in a match. And so I only got like three months of training. Mm-hmm. And I kept in contact with Steve and kept asking him questions and, and stuff like that. But, like, man, if if it were up to me and if I would have been more headstrong about it, I would have trained for a year, year and a half before I even had a match. It's one of those things, too, where it's – if you only knew now what you knew then type of thing, you know? Exactly. And it hits you and like, someone's like, hey, you want to wrestle? Well, yeah, I want to wrestle. That's why I'm doing this. Even though you probably knew you weren't ready. Mm-hmm. But you, now you realize how unready you probably were. Oh, if that yeah. makes sense. And, and it happens. And that's that's an issue I've seen with, with this area a lot. And um, I know some people have kind of taken certain guys to task. And I'm like, end of the day, he didn't book himself. Someone booked him. Right. Someone put him on a show. For sure. The state licensed him. Yeah. That's another issue. Yeah. But, you know. See, I feel like, um, in in my opinion, I feel like if you, if you get licensed in wrestling, there should be like a, like, on the uh, on the old application, they would have qualifications. I feel like that should have probably been taken a little more seriously. Well, I know, like, John Cross has told me before, he purposely would write goofy stuff in there. Yeah. Just because he knew they weren't reading it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know how many times I applied for a license, because we were just like once a year. And you'd pay cash. I never got a receipt. So I know that commissioner's pocketing the money. Sure. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
So Come on. I feel like there should definitely be qualifications in order to get licensed. 100%. Um, because at the end of the day, if you're going to be like issuing licenses and stuff like that, like you should be held liable if something happens. Exactly. Um, just like with, with a driver's license. Right. So, um, yeah, I feel like getting licensed and stuff like that is just much, it's far too easy. Well, the wrestling business, and this is kind of like the whole purpose of this podcast. It's not like anything else, right? right. Wrestling's not like MMA. It's not like football. And those are very, you know, heavy contact sports. So people oftentimes compare it. Well, is it as tough as football? Is it as tough as MMA? It's not the same thing. And licensing a guy to wrestle, I understand blood work for sure. Mm-hmm. I understand a physical, even though the physical we take is a joke. Oh, yeah. It's it's one of those weird things of like, I understand why that's in place, but if you don't do anything with it, why does it matter? Exactly. So. Exactly. It's it's a, it's a money grab. Mm-hmm. And so like, I've wrestled down in, you know, Texas. Um, I've wrestled Louisiana. I've wrestled Arkansas, Kansas. I've. I've wrestled all over, um, at least the country, uh, which is, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to do more international stuff this year. Awesome. So, yeah. Um, can't wait for that. 2020 probably put a halt on that. I imagine. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. 2020 put a halt on a lot of things. It really, It's almost like that year just didn't happen. Yeah. And then like it, it's already over and we're in 2021. We're like, what the, where did that go? Yeah. It was so fast. It, um, it was like fast and slow at the same time. Yeah. To think that it was like, I mean, as we'll kind of date ourselves, but we're recording this in April. Mm-hmm. I mean, vaccines are rolling out now, but you know, like people were, I remember back in March when everything kind of shut down, at least around here, everyone was like, Oh, June will be good. Obviously that wasn't even close to no. changing anything at that point. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, like I've wrestled all over the place and, um, a lot of the places. So like Louisiana, for instance, when I wrestled there and I got licensed in Louisiana, um, they took my blood pressure. Mm-hmm. They took you know, things that they should do. Yeah, they took my blood pressure. They took my pulse. Um, the the little physical they had me do on site, like they made sure I could jump a certain height. They made sure I could bend down, and touch my toes. Like they made sure that my body wasn't going to just break down. Mm-hmm. Um, which, it, it, when you get licensed in Oklahoma, at least from my experience, I'll, I'll walk into the you know the doctor's office and he's like, "You feel good? Yeah. All right." And that's it. Almost every doctor has told me, like, I feel like I should do more. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Because, I mean, like, the, the list is not much. And that's from their website. Right. So it is what it is. I mean, I know when I was still wrestling in Missouri a lot, I would take both forms and just say, I'm doing one physical, but I need both of these signed. Because for two different states, Missouri was like two and a half pages. Yeah. It was maybe a little too in-depth, I guess. But at the same time, at least there's some liability sure for for them if they allow me to get into the the ring and wrestle and stuff so yeah absolutely it's a weird thing um to kind of change gears so you, you're growing up in wrestling you're very exposed to the business you get training a little bit you start working around in this area uh, i know early on you kind of you kind of change names and change your look a little bit mm-hmm. i feel like you've kind of landed on something that's sticking now yeah um so i think it was 20 2016 um I, I was going by Luke Grayson at the time, which ugh, every time I hear that name, I cringe. Um, which the name, I don't know why I picked Luke, but Grayson was a Dick Grayson thing. Sure. Yeah. Always, always a big DC fan, um, which that comes full circle with my current name. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I was wrestling as Luke Grayson. I tried like a steampunk thing. I remember you asking me what I thought about that. Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, I don't even know what steampunk is. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, but I mean, I, I remember you asking me, I'm like, try it. I, I don't know. Like maybe it'll work. And that's kind of how I'd always tell people in these local shows. I'm like, 
I'm sorry, SRPW is not the end all be all. Right. Try stuff, you yeah. know, do something totally different, you know, and yeah. see what happens. Exactly. And like, I, so I, I started doing the steampunk stuff and it like, nobody knew what the hell it was. Um, and then all of a sudden Becky Lynch starts doing it on TV and they're like, oh my gosh, steampunk. And I'm like, well, fuck, yeah. now I can't do that. Right. Um, and, and so or it like, looks like you're copying her. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and even though I was I was doing it first, right. but I was on such a small scale. Nobody hey, if you're on TV, you got you had it first. That's yeah, the rule, exactly. Much, you know. <laughs> so um, I stopped doing that, and I, I started like I don't even know what what it was. I don't even know what the gimmick was. I just remember wearing a plague doctor mask and like my gimmick shirt, mm-hmm. and that was it. And I was like, well, that's not going to go anywhere. It's almost like you probably feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. in your own yeah. skin a little bit, and if you're not feeling it. No one else is. Exactly. And so you're just like, hey, I'm a guy here. Yeah. You know, and then you fall in that Oklahoma category, which I know you didn't want to be. No, exactly. Um, and, and then eventually I just ditched everything, and it was just like, I'm going to wear band tees and just do all the cool flippy shit. And, mm-hmm. and I know that's not going to get anywhere, but maybe people will enjoy it. Right. Um, and then that lasted for all of like two months before I broke my leg in two places. How'd you do that? I don't remember that happening. So I went down to Mid-South and wrestled um, a guy down there, and I did uh, the flipping senton off the apron, mm-hmm. and instead of catching me, he just kind of gave me his back so I could roll off of him, and then he did a straight-up back bump right down on my leg. Oh, so know? he just landed on you? Yeah. Oh. And, and so... So it, what, it was like the shin bone, or...? Yeah, it broke right here at the shin bone, and then down there in the ankle. Oh, man. Yeah. And That's it, about as bad as it can be. Right. And, like, we knew about the ankle break, because, like, I could look at it, and I could tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in the... In the um, emergency room they're like yeah you broke your leg right there in your ankle oh okay mm-hmm. cool so we casted it up like i've got this this long for recovery or whatever and i remember like a week or two later i'm, I'm looking at my wife and going man my ankle doesn't hurt but my leg really hurts like right in through here and it's about where the cast cut off and uh, she's like well we'll go get it relooked at and sure enough like there were two breaks and i was like okie dokie they didn't change the cast or anything um, they were like, yeah, you've got roughly six months wow. before you could do anything. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not going to work. Yeah. So I did it in four. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, okay, I'm tired of being in this type of thing or what? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was very much so like a, I don't want to be out for six months and be sitting on my couch for six months. And right. So, um, I remember, uh, Skylar Faden and Dmitry Alexandrov, hitting me up and be like, Hey, I know you have a broken leg. Do you want to like come do like an upper body workout with us or something? Like you're not, you're not, you're not into going to the gym or anything, but like, we really want to, yeah. you know, get you out there and like, yeah, sure. And we didn't do upper body. We ended up doing like deadlifts and shit. So there, there are videos of me on one of their phones, um, in a, in a cast doing deadlifts and not like light deadlifts. Um, like we had like three forty fives on that bar on each side. So, um, at that point I started falling in love with lifting and going mm-hmm. to the gym and stuff like that. Um, and I remember looking at Susie and being like, something needs to change, like heavily change. Like I'm thinking a name change, a whole, like a whole thing. She's like, okay, what are you thinking? And I'm like, what if I just went by my name? And she goes, okay. Like, would you go by like your first and middle name? I'm like, no, I feel like I still need like a gimmick last yeah. name. Cause my name is not a TV ready name at all it's a mouthful like nobody wants to say that so we landed on crane because my favorite batman villain is the scarecrow i i, I crane. figured once i heard grayson that's where crane came from yeah 100 percent. so um that's how we came up with the wesley crane name and um 
as far as like the the cannibalistic side of the gimmick and stuff like that it, that all stems from um back when i was heavily addicted to like drugs and stuff mm. um i would often um abuse cocaine and then to come down from the cocaine would abuse oxycontin to Ooh, go to sleep yeah and i, I remember just having uppers some, and like, downers right <laughs> yeah so like i, w- I would I remember having just like these crazy thoughts while I was on those and I, I wrote them down and everything. And it was like, I wonder what a person tastes like. I wonder what this is. And I wonder what, th- and so a lot of the gimmick stuff just came from me writing that stuff down. I've heard musicians say that too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, they kind of write lyrics down while they're, you know, not maybe in their right mind. Right. And kind of get what they're, they're, what they're going to. So that's, that's kind of crazy to hear. I'm glad like, uh, you know, you're able to kick the drug habit and stuff though. Yeah, um, the night that I met my wife was actually the night I was like, I'm done. Really? I, I can't, I, I don't want to bring her into this. Yeah. So um, I flushed all of it, and then I spent a week with her at her apartment um, going through withdrawals and stuff like that. I was wondering if you had like a yeah. series of withdrawals. I've heard that that, I've heard people say that were addicted to drugs, that they wouldn't wish that on their worst enemies. Yeah, no, it's horrible. Yeah. Like, I spent a week just vomiting, and like it, when I when I thought I was empty, more would come up, and it was mm. just like, ugh. So um, once that was gone, though, like um, I, was, I was pretty good and set. And like good, like, okay, I'm done with that completely. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's good, though, you yeah. know. And, and I think a lot of people sometimes don't. I'm kind of glad you brought that up because I know a lot of people don't like to put stuff like that out there. But I think it's good to hear a positive story. Yeah. You know, because like, it can happen to anybody. And then like, hey, I got rid of it. I'm done, you know. And you're a guy that people could reach out to if they dive into that world. Yeah. And um, so like – Within wrestling, and when, when you do get around some of the old school guys, um, sometimes you'll find yeah. those substances. And sure. So there have been several times um, within the past few years that, like, I've been in the same room with those things, and like, th- they're being offered to me, and I'm like, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I remember what that did. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, and I'm sure it just would take once. I mean, I don't know. Oh yeah. I, but I mean, it would be a. Right up here and then poof, right yeah, back down. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's bad stuff. Yeah, and and like now that I have I have kids, I, mm-hmm. I have a whole family. Like, uh, there's yeah. no way. Yeah, no way. Yeah, it could easily be a, a slippery slope for sure. I know I talked with Richie Adams a while back, and he kind of talked about you know his drug situation and how like he's like he I think at certain points he's like I don't I'm not an addict, but then he realized like he was going through withdrawal and he's like oh my god I am an addict you know and that's that weird maybe thing of. You experiment, you get into it a little bit, then you don't realize how far deep you've gone. Right, right. So, it's scary stuff. So I'm glad you're you're able to kick that away, man, for sure. Um, so you know you, you're dealing with this injury, you're getting in the gym, I, which I noticed like your body changed at yeah. that point, and you started looking. You had put some more mass on and stuff like that. Uh, but I noticed, um, I think it was probably at OKX the first time I saw the entrance. I got to talk about the entrance, okay? Because that was something I was like, "Oh, well that's interesting." Mm-hmm. You know, like cuz it's it's so easy I think for people to not focus on an entrance, but you have you have one like I look at it like, "Ah, oh, that would be that would be the one I if I was playing a video game, that'd be the one I would want to see." Right. When I when I first turn it on, "Oh, let's see his entrance." Because it was it was so different. So where did where did that come in to play? So, so um it it started out with me just like dropping down to my knees and like doing the whole like arms wide open style thing, looking at my opponent being kind of sinister. And, um, and I remember I had a no holds barred match against Matt Durden at UWE. Mm-hmm. And when I went down to my knees, my knees slipped out from underneath me. And then I brought them back together. And I was like, well, I just, I got, I have to keep going. Otherwise it's going to look like I fucked up. Mm-hmm. So 
that's where the knee slide came from. Um, but as far as like bending backwards from uh, in the corner, mm-hmm. um, I remember watching um, Devitt do his demon entrance in NXT or Balor. Um, and when he would come up like that, I was like, oh, but what if you inverted it? Kind of like Batman mm-hmm. and like hung upside down. Well, nobody's doing that. I've never right. seen that. Um, and so I remember like the first few times I'd done it, people like really dug it. And, um, and I come back through the curtain and people are like, you're going to tear your knees up doing that. Mm. So anytime I do like a leg day or anything like that, I was very focused on, um, training my, my legs and my quads for, for hyperextension basically. Just, just in case. Cause like you don't want to get hurt in your entrance. You exactly. Know? Yeah. <laughs> right. But I mean, again, it's one of those things. Like I, I think sometimes too, like when you get, if you start to get over, get a character that's over. Like I, I remember Scotty Tuhati told us this when he was in he guest coach for us when I was in developmental and it always stuck with me. He goes, My shine was my entrance. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. that's an interesting point. And Joey Mercury chimed in, he goes, We would cut our match to make sure they didn't cut our entrance. Yeah. If they said you have eight minutes or you can do, you know, twelve but no entrance, we want our entrance. Yeah. We have to have our entrance. It's mm-hmm. like Really, but you think about it, characters like Eminem. That's when that's what he was referring to, obviously. Yeah. But it's like the red carpet, the, the, the flashing oh, bulbs, and all that yeah. stuff. It, it does kind of like, oh, that's interesting. What is this? And it's kind of one of those weird things where most people are probably like, oh no, I want my match to go longer. I can't cut my match short. But what's going to get you over more in the long run? Yeah. So, and that's something that I don't think people think about too much, but it makes sense. Yeah. Like here's the thing with, with the modern era of wrestling, everybody's trying to do everything. Mm -hmm. And most likely you're going to see the same move probably 10 times on a card. Um, Oh, he did a big flip over the top rope. Seen that 12 times. It's not special anymore. Exactly. How many people are you going to see come out with a devil mask and a croquet mallet sliding up and down on their knees and bending backwards in the corner? Probably not many. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like I, I, and I've said that same sentence, like, Dude, my entrance is one of my five moves to do. Like, sure, like <laughs> that's that's pretty much all I got. Right, but I, but at the same time, it, it does it does make you think like, ooh, that's good. And I know I went to a WFC show a few months back, and you were the opening match against Luke Langley, yeah. and um, that was like such a good way to start the show because I think also too with WFC you have a lot of people that maybe aren't wrestling people. Right, they're there for the charity. They're you know you know whatever it is, and um, they see that and they're like, oh. What are we watching here? You know, it kind of gets people into that mode of, oh, this is fun. Yeah. This is a cool thing. This is live entertainment. You know, it's as opposed to just two dudes in trunks exchanging forearms. Exactly. Maybe that's not your cup of tea. And and that's the thing, too, is I think with wrestling, sometimes we have to realize, like, I, I can watch technical wrestling all day long. I can watch Japanese strong style all day long. But that's not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. Some people like the entertainment more. And that's where you have to have that mix, which I, that's why I dig about the entrance. You know, it adds that sizzle. See, and I've I've always been um, very big on like, while my entrance may be like that's your entertainment aspect, and, yeah. and you're you're getting a lot of my character within my performance. Um, I also want to bring that strong style for those people that are into that. Sure. So, so I'm hitting, or I'm, at least I'm trying to hit both avenues at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you watched, I don't I don't know if you got to watch any of the Ryder Cup from this past year when Dimitri won mm-hmm. but like night one I worked with Paul Puerto Rico and I came out and basically it was just me there was no theatrics there was nothing um and it was you're just getting me and then night two with a with a multi-man you're getting a little bit more of the theatrics but you're still just getting me mm-hmm. and then it's like oh I'm in the finals with Dimitri Alexandrov now let's bring out the big guns and like there was this big elaborate entrance where this like 
smaller girl in a white flowy dress in this like um rhinestone mask came out holding this gigantic mallet and then all of a sudden the curtain opens up but i'm in full devil gear and people are like oh my god it's right like, holy crap and and that like that captivated so many people i have people hitting me up still being like i remember this like this was the thing i will forever remember right and um that like that kind of stuff makes me feel really good for sure because it's it you're taking the i mean we all know wrestling we all know wrestling matches but if you can make people remember a moment because that's what we remember in wrestling our moments yeah. right like i mean i've heard you've heard the phrase watch Hogan and Rock with the volume turned down, it's crap. Yeah. But you put the volume up, it's like, this is a moment, you mm -hmm. know, because of everyone's energy involved. And so, yeah, I dig that, man. Yeah. I think um, that's awesome. Uh, as a kid, um, I remember watching Beyond the Mat. And, mm -hmm. I mean, since I've watched it several other times, but there's one line that Vince McMahon says in that documentary that, like, stuck with me. And that was when he says, we make movies. Mm -hmm. and um, And that's what I focus on heavily is, like, Okay, how could I how could I map this out for TV? Right. Yet make it make sense to a live audience. Right. And, and that's I think sometimes part of the trick because I've seen guys, I remember watching a WWE live event like 2015, 2016, the Dudley Boys were on it. And I realized I was like, "Oh, these guys are perfect for a live event mm -hmm. crowd." Cuz they did every live event spot you could imagine. A B C D and I was and I was realizing I'm like they were over on TV, but they were never over, over. I don't think. Right. They were they were big, but they weren't like the Road Warriors. Right. Not quite. Right. But I realized, I was like, these guys are probably more appreciated in live event. Mm -hmm. That's why they were so over in ECW. Yeah. And it's like that weird thing of like, oh, I get it now. Because like like every little thing they did was, was great. But that wouldn't translate to television. No. And that's another thing people sometimes don't think about is, okay, if you're over with for a live crowd, are, would you be over on television? Like, or... If, like, in your case, in your match, you have this big elaborate entrance plan, we're, you know, cutting your time. Where does your time cut? Is it your match or is it your entrance? I'm most definitely match. Right. Yeah. Because what's going to get over? Or are people going to remember more? My you know? entrance. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, all, I think all that stuff's cool. But, again, I think wrestling sometimes trial and error, you know, and just For sure. finding stuff that works. Um, do you ever, do you ever, did you ever feel a point where you felt like, okay, I think I'm on the right track? Or do you ever feel like you need to change things up? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... Um, several moments have been like, okay, maybe I'm on the right track. And that's when like people are hitting me up like, oh my gosh, I remember this so much and mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. But then there are moments where like I'm in the locker room with Ricky Starks or ACH yeah. and they're like, so, uh, do you go through TSA like that? Do you, uh, you know, how do you, how do you get all that off of you? It's a lot of, it's a lot of red paint, dude. It's like, well, I carry wet wipes with me, but. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of times like if I if I have to get on a flight, it's it's hoodie up and and uh, just wipe your face off. Mm -hmm. I, I may still be fully painted from the neck down, but as long as my face is clean, like it doesn't look odd. Exactly. Yeah, and and so like there are moments like that where I'm like, am I on the right track? Do I need to change? Do I not need to paint up? Like, because right. even Billy Gunn was like, hey, you know, you never know what we're looking for. We may we may just need somebody that paints themselves all bloody and stuff like that and then like two three months later Avedon shows up i'm like oh they did need that <laughs> but I, I i find that um she's I mean, she's doing amazing things with her gimmick so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very happy to see that she's in that position because i remember seeing her on the um on the independent circuit 
Do you do you consider AEW still independence or is that No, I think national television and contracts are a full on company. Okay. I mean that I mean my opinion of independent is I guess you could say independent because they can work other places, but I don't think it's they can just work anywhere. I think there needs to be like approval and right. it's like a talent sharing type of thing. Okay. I mean I I don't I don't consider ROH independent. Okay. I don't consider New Japan independent. I mean they I know AEW does use a lot of like unsigned guys. Right. Which that's independent, but that's that's more for like the dark shows too. I mean occasionally you'll see one of them on Dynamite, I right. guess. But it's it's a very like finicky situation, I guess. Sure, yeah. sure. I mean but again, like their their core roster, like I don't see them let let loaning out those two guys or like those main guys to too many other places unless it like like Moxley going to New Japan's one thing. Maybe yeah. he'll do blood sport, but I don't think he's showing up at some indie show in Arkansas. Right. You know what I mean? So, so like, um, I'll, I'll circle back around to that here in a second. But, like, I remember watching Abaddon on the indie circuit and being mm-hmm. like, dude, there's only a matter of time before either I cross paths with her or she makes it before I do. Because mm-hmm. nobody's coming down to fucking Oklahoma. Yeah. Like, nobody's going to come down to Oklahoma and be like, yeah, I came to, you know, scout. Let me tell Nobody. you, SRPW at Oakhurst, that's where you're going to see some talent. <laughs> exactly. I always make, I, that's always my go-to. I don't know why. Because, because like, everybody thought, like, I'm a star when they were there. Well, and it wasn't even that. It was, because at the time, you had Mike Two's compound. You had Ray running running SRPW. And people listening that don't know this won't understand this, I guess. But they were so petty against each other. And I'm not knocking either guy when I say this. But I remember Mike Two had actually advertised air conditioning. Yes. Because SRPW didn't have it. Mm-hmm. I'm like... I couldn't even imagine the thought process of putting <laughs> air conditioning on my flyer. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's almost like it's so, like, I'm trying to one-up you. Like, aha, you don't have air conditioning, you know? I, I remember just because of working one place, I had heat with the other place. Right. And, like, at the end of the day, you're independent. Yeah. I can't imagine either place is paying you top dollar. No. So I don't, I don't think I ever got paid from either one. So why does it matter? Yeah. <laughs> like, you should be able to wrestle anywhere you want to, right? Yeah. I mean... And that and that's another thing too. If one company offers you X and this other company offers you double, like, I mean, under, obviously, if this place offers you a ton of work and this is like a one-time deal, maybe that's a, a thing you have to think about. Sure. But realistically, you know, yeah, it's a business. It should be. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there there have been several um, larger larger names within the business that mm-hmm. have told me like, hey, it really doesn't matter unless they're paying your electric bill. No, yeah. And only, there's only been one place I've ever worked that has legitimately paid my electric bill. Right. So, um, it, you know, in in my eyes, that's the place I'll I'll be loyal to for <laughs> for quite a while. That's the thing too is I think there's also, and we can kind of go into this a little bit. There's a lot of guys I think in this industry that have way different thoughts of like, oh, I want to be top guy in the industry, or eh, I just kind of want to do this for fun. Yeah. And I and I've noticed at least in my time with Oklahoma, if I found a guy that was like I I saw potential or whatever, and I felt like he didn't push himself hard enough, I'd be like, "Come on, like you you have something here. I'm just doing this for fun." Like, but do you want to be bad? Like, wouldn't you want to be decent? Like, right. I like even if I'm going bowling, I get pissed if I get a gutter ball. Yeah, I am far from a pro bowler, you know. <laughs> but I mean, still, it's like, damn it, you know. Like, I right. there's that professional pride, I guess. Like, you're you're going for a strike every time. Exactly. Yeah, like, so I, I never mean, understood that. It was just like if you if you make clothes, right? mm-hmm. but you just you just do it for fun because you like doing it. Right. What if you make like a really shitty shirt or something like? Yeah, it's all crooked and hey, sewn up wrong. Be very happy about that. Of course not. Like what? <laughs> so. And like now, like you're not going to sell that. I would hope. No. You know, or, or like what are you going to do with it? So 
Right. And that, that was kind of always my thing is like, I would encounter so many people in the wrestling business. I remember Bobby Fish told me the story and this one is so true to the industry. He said, you know, back in the day, you know, Hogan trained with Hiro Matsuda and broke his leg the first day. And we think, oh my God, that's heinous. Like, well, I can't believe you would do something like that. But it was to see if he'd come back. He said, we can't do that nowadays, but we have a whole lot more people in the locker room that should be buying tickets. Yep. I mean, you think about it, you're like, hmm, maybe there's something to that in a weird, messed up way. Yeah. Well, like, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to preface this with in no world am I qualified to train anyone, but if I can pass on any knowledge I have, I love to do so. Sure. Um, and so, um, it was probably most of 2019, um, Tommy Dean and I were, I mean, basically running training for Brandon Groom. Mm -hmm. Um, we weren't trying to do anything elaborate or anything like that. It was simply like, let's, you know, one day, like it was like Tuesdays and Thursdays. So Tuesday, you're getting your wrestling training Thursday, come over here. We're going to put you through some physical activity, get you guys more ring shape ready. And, um, and so like, I, I, we noticed that people would show up on Tuesdays, not Thursdays. Mm. They, they didn't want to work out. They didn't want to, you know, do squats and run the ropes and stuff like that. They well, that's just, not the fun part, right? No, no. They just <laughs> wanted to learn moves. Yeah. So, yeah, like, there, there are way more people in the locker room that just should be buying tickets. And Yeah, and I think, I think that's a little bit on the person, but it's a whole lot on the promoter, too. Mm-hmm. Like, at the end of the day, and I'm sure you, you've noticed this, too, and I'm not knocking anyone that's done it because I understand, but... It's, I start work for a new promotion. You immediately are added to a staff page. Yeah. I'm like, oh God, yeah. <laughs> here we go. Uh, here's the 50, uh, 50th one I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it's basically, I, I noticed like, all right, who can work this date? And they would take the yeses and book a card. Mm-hmm. And that was it. It wasn't like reaching out to people or anything. So I'm like, oh, so you take the guys that are all saying yes immediately are all the bottom of the barrel guys. Right. Pretty obvious, right? The guys that work one shitty place they don't go anywhere else and it's like hmm and that's how you that's how they always get booked that's not that's not how it should be right and i think that's the i don't know that's the part that about the wrestling industry in this area that's always kind of that's always kind of baffled me to some degree because i don't understand how we cannot want to be better yeah you know like i'm not gonna say like i know everything because i certainly don't but like i would never pass up ring time yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I know a lot of these guys, oh, I can't make it. Like, well, like, come on. There's a, there's a promotion here that, um, me along with several others, um, ha- have been like, man, why don't you bring guys in from Texas? Get like Jackson Stone and yeah. like larger than life. Like they're a great tag team. I feel like they could help your tag division. Jackson's just a great person all around and he's a good worker. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he's like, I just, I don't want to, you know, I don't have that in the budget where's all the money going from the shows? Cause I know you're just sticking it in an account. Like you've definitely got the money and we're like worst case scenario. They jump in a car, you pay them gas and like, well, like what do you expect? How much are you expecting this to cost? You know, like these right. guys will probably work for a decent rate. Most yeah. likely, you know, and I've met Matt Jackson stone a couple of times. Uh, he actually did one of Harley's camps a few years ago, but, but it's, yeah, exactly. Like, well, look, are you, are you not even trying? Are you hitting up? Like, Hey, can you guys bring four people? Right. You know, like four guys jump in a car. Like that's like, and, and Dimitri, so Dimitri comes from Austin all yeah. the way up here. 
They're, Why doesn't he have three guys with him? It's like they're in Dallas, like just on the way. Just yeah, boom, swoop them up. Mm-hmm. Like it wouldn't take much. Um, and like like you said, they they'd probably do it for a decent little. You know, it, it wouldn't be expensive, right? Um, and but like it, then it comes back to that promoter being like, "Well, we just have crap wrestling." Well, it's like we're not booking anybody else, man. Like you book the same guys. You're gonna. That's your this, fault. Yeah, you know, you're like, gonna get you the, same the crap. Thing. You booked the crap wrestlers. You yeah, know? you didn't have to do that. You chose to. Exactly. So, yeah, um, I remember having this conversation with Dimitri um, several times. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. it's uh, it's 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 an interesting case when you sit back and you look at that kind of thing. It really is. It really is, and I think that kind of goes with the whole context of how interesting the wrestling business can be at times, and how it's not like anything else. Which leads me to this question, which is the name of the show. You know it's fake, right? Like, that's the question. As a fan, I always felt like I would get. Yeah. And people trying to almost, like, parting this wisdom on you. Like, you like wrestling? You know it's not real. And I've gone, like I've said before, I've gone through different mindsets where it used to just piss me off. Where I would just try not to talk about it. But it's one of those weird things where I don't know why, but wrestling has always been... Like, you know, my friend Jack Gamble told a story about he... Knew a lady that's like, I can't watch wrestling because it's fake. Well, what do you like to watch? Oh, I love The Bachelor. Yeah, it's fake, right? <laughs> well, I mean, come on. Like, this, that, I mean, I'm not going to say reality TV can't be a guilty pleasure, sure. but that's not a realistic depiction. Come on. You know, like, it's right. so ridiculous. So, but again, it's like, it's trash TV. I'm not saying wrestling's not trash TV at times, but it's, come on. Like, how can you, how can you say you can't watch that, but you can watch this? Mm-hmm. It's, it's so crazy to me. Yeah. Um, Recently, I had somebody be like, um, hey, "You know that you know that stuff's fake, right?" And I was like, "So was Endgame, yeah." Like, but you love that, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Well, yeah," but man, a lot of the wrestling over here sucks. I'm like, "Well, just watch the stuff that's good." <laughs> well, again, I got I and I've seen people watch movies or like, "Oh, this movie sucks so bad," or "This TV show sucks so bad, it's horrible." I'm like, don't watch it. Like, yeah. I would never watch wrestling that I didn't want to watch. Yeah, I couldn't. When you have a little bit of spare time, like, I would never want to watch something that's horrible. Right. I, I want to watch something that I'm into mm-hmm. or enjoy, so that's what I don't understand. But This is going to sound so bad, but, like, there have been times where I'm at a show and, like, match starts and I'm like, this is a bathroom match. Mm-hmm. And I get up and I go to the bathroom and uh, I come back and, you know, wait for the, you know, better matches to uh, I really couldn't think of a better word to use there well yeah it, it you know it's and I've seen that too where like I remember being at one show I think it was in Tahlequah for UWE I'm not blasting any of those guys that is what it is it was like a big multi-team battle royal oh, yeah. and they told them to go like this amount of time and they went way 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 longer oh, yeah. and it's one of those things I'm like I understand and it's that weird thing of like you're not getting paid so you're putting your time in because that's your maybe your payday I get it but that's not why people are here. Sure. So it, it's that weird thing of like, you go to Endgame, you know, it's a three hour movie. If you went to a Will Ferrell movie and it was like three hours, you're like, why the hell is that so long? You know, right. like it doesn't need, not every movie or every match needs to be long. It just needs to tell the story and, exactly. you know, know your place on the card and stuff. See, and I, and I love that you say that because like, I think a lot of, a lot of guys get that twisted that saying like, know your, know your place on the card. I think they get that twisted. Um, when, a lot of times when guys hear that, they think, oh, well, my match has to be boring and it has to get less boring. No, it doesn't. Right. Me. Exactly. It doesn't need to be that way at all. But like, think of it this way. Say you're watching Endgame. What would you do if the movie started out 
with them just beating the shit out of Thanos or vice versa. And then the movie played backwards. Right. It would be really awkward. It would be really awkward. Like, you need to be able to structure your match in the fashion of, I mean, essentially building up the card to the main event, which is your big climax. Mm -hmm. Very similar to how you would build your match. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think a lot of guys just, they don't, they don't understand that. And a lot of it's probably because it's never been broken down to them either. Probably. You know, and I think that's sometimes the issue. I, but, I mean, same time, I'm sure you've been there too. You get your creative for the match, and it's not good. Yep. And I don't know how many times I've heard, like, ooh, like, this is this is bad. I remember specifically one time I was going to do this random indie show in Missouri. I was going to wrestle three of my really good friends in a four-way. And I'm like, oh, this will be this will be fun. We'll have a good match. A day or two before the show, Jack Gamble hits me and goes, hey, he wants to do this gauntlet style where it's like me and a guy, then you come in, then the last guy comes in. I was like, ooh, that's not going to be as good. Yeah. And he's like, his idea is the first guy beats me up, then you beat me unmercifully, but I somehow get a I get a schoolboy out of nowhere. And the third guy comes in and beats me in two minutes. And I'm like, oh, that's not good at all. Mm -mm. Like, that's horrible. Like, yeah. that's not even exciting. I was like, let me talk to the guy. Maybe I can get this switched. Because I was like, we can still do that finish to some degree. Sure. But with all four guys, we have so many more moving parts. We can do big stuff off the ropes. You know, and, and like one of the other guys was big. I was like, he's a big guy. He could, like, give me big moves, which is not something that happens often. So that will be interesting. You know, we can do, like, you know, big guy, big guy. And then, like, you know, Gamble comes in. He's the high, more the high flyer. So we can do all these different fun things. And he's like, no, 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 this will be great. This is what we want to do. And I'm like, it's not going to be good. At the end of the day, I'm like, it's your show, man. I'm here to do what you want. So that's what we did, and it sucked. And at the end, he was he he loved it. He thought it was great. And I'm just like, like if you own, like we are here to put on a good match for you, and you didn't let us do it. And I don't. That's the part about the wrestling business that's always like drove me crazy because I know people. I've heard people say, I don't like any of the other stuff, but when I'm in the ring, that's the fun part. I'm like, that is true. If you have good creative, right. If you don't, it's really not that good. It's horrible. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to know your stance on something. Um, do you think it's better to plan a match ahead or call it in the ring? Um, so a bit of both. Okay. I think the problem with calling it in the ring is you're going to lose a lot of intricacy. Okay. So if I, you know, shoot you into the ropes and I'm like, you're smaller than me. You should be able to do a tilt to whirl head, tilt to whirl head scissors. But what if you can't? Right. You know. Now we're now we're in trouble. But if in the back I'm like, hey, could we think you do that? And you're like, well, actually, I could spin around. We could do that double. And I'm like, oh, really? That might be interesting. You know. Or like we kind of start to think, or what if I get you down up, back to a backbreaker because I've done that before. Like so. Like I think you need to have. I always call it the fish bone. I'm sure you've heard like the big points of the yep. match, and then you kind of fill in the middle. I don't like to call my heat because I like my heat if I'm a heel to be what natural, I'm visible. natural, what I'm thinking in that moment. Right. And if I just want to stomp your fingers, put my boot in your face, that's just stuff that's going to come to me when I'm there. Yeah. But I think you have to have some sort of an idea. It would almost be like driving to a store and having just to start making random turns. You yeah. don't know where you're going. All of a sudden, you're like, I hope I get there. You know, like yeah. it, you could be going all the way around. So you have to have an idea. But I do think. It's one of those things where you need to know how to call it on the fly because that is a skill that you may need. Yeah. Because what if we're working and you break your leg? Mm -hmm. 
And I'm I'm trying to shoot you off the ropes or something. Nope, we're going to do a spine buster and you can't walk. Which is hilarious because, like, when that, when the leg break actually happened, I remember, like, telling him, like, oh, shit, dude, I just broke my leg. He's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I just broke my leg. Tell the ref to just count me out. And instead, he got in there and said, he broke his leg. And the ref just called the match. And I was so pissed because I was like, you just fucking, it killed it for Mm -hmm. everybody. Mm -hmm. Like, you could have just, I mean, you could have again the ref count me out. How many good referees have you had? (laughs) <laughs> like two right right <laughs> in my entire career, two mm-hmm. um but yeah like uh it's almost re- it's hard to catch you off but it's it, almost offsetting if you have a good referee because like oh my god this guy's relaying spots to me <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean like they'll relay spots they'll relay time they'll be like hey don't forget face the hard cam like mm-hmm. oh i love you <laughs> yes um but like the reason i asked that question was because um recently um there have been Several conversations that I've been on both ends of mm-hmm. where guys are like, I, you know, we should just have called the spots and had a good plan going in and da 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 da. But this person thinks we should have just all called it in the ring. If you're in an eight man tag, there's no way you're calling it in the ring. Oh, no, not, 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 not that. I mean, same with the three way. Yeah. Because typically there's always, because not every spot's three guys. Right. So there's always one guy kind of down and out. Maybe not out of the ring, but he's not involved in that. And so. Like if if I'm working you and say Dimitri and you guys are doing something, like I need to know when I need to get back in. Yeah, you, need you know to what I mean, cue. right? And you have to kind of have some semblance of a game plan. I think I think the problem is is when you pinpoint it like because I've had you know old school guys. Oh, you call it in the ring. Sure. Again, I understand that, and I did call it in the ring early part of my career because that's what Harley wanted yeah. was that. But at the same time, it's like how many good matches do you have calling it in the ring? Right. Now, sometimes I think if you plan every little thing, instead of selling, you take away that moment. Like I remember yeah. actually at an SRPW show one time, Riker shot me into the turnbuckle and it came off the, the post. Mm-hmm. The rope did. And so I went down. He went to grab me. I was like, let me sell. Yeah. Let me sell. And I could, he was green, but I remember thinking like, can't, I mean, you can't mistake that. Like that, that's a real thing. It happened. Yeah. The rope broke off of the post. Mm-hmm. It wasn't supposed to, it broke off. That's a moment. So you have to let that resonate yeah, and you and have to let that settle. And with guys like you and Riker who are, let's, let's face it. Like you guys are bigger than damn near everybody here in, you know, in this area. Right. Everybody around here is very small. Um, so, like, when that happens, it's that moment of, like, oh, my God, they just broke the ring. Mm-hmm. You know? It, so, that moment of, like, letting that breathe and letting the selling happen, it would definitely needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but how but, well, but how likely would you see in that area? I hit the, the ring. And I was taking a hard buckle, but I think he was going to pick me up and give me something else. Sure. And um, so, I went down with it. But then I, I heard it snap off. And I heard the, oh! And I felt the rope on my leg. I'm like, oh, that thing broke off. Yeah. And I don't even know if the thing broke. I, I mean, I think it just unhooked, but I, you know, yeah, you have it, no idea. It was probably just a boom and it clipped right off. Yeah, but it's still, it's like, holy it crap. It impressive as hell. That's one of those things. But how how bad would that have been if that happens, the rope breaks off and he picks me up and gives me a spine buster or whatever it, it was. It's, not, it's like, oh, okay. You know? Would have killed it completely. It's not that exciting anymore because yeah. now it looks like that's part of the plan. And I think... I think it's a weird it's a it's a good discussion to get into because I think with wrestling sometimes you have so many different ideologies and and I know and I've tried I've tried to tell people this before too is like if you're in this industry and you're trying to get somewhere and those people know you're trying to get a job the first thing they're going to try to do is expose you. Yeah. 
Hmm. Can you cut a promo? Okay. You have an entrance. You have a look. Can you work? Okay. Can you work on the fly? Yep. Oh, you can't. Ah, uh, see, you're not any good. I told you. Back of the line. Yeah. And that's one of those things. I've seen it happen. I mean, I remember being a, an extra before. Noble would, Jamie Noble would call two guys in the ring. Second a mistake happened, he's like, all right, get out. Yeah. And you realize, like, oh, shit. Like, he's just waiting until they, they mess up. All right, two more in. Uh, okay, get out. Yeah. Two more. And you're like, oh, shit. Like, it's it's kind of like that. You can't mess up. Yeah. But that's when you have to know, okay, can I work? Can I, like, at this point, are they wanting you to hit all these crazy spots? Probably not. No. They just want to see if you're, if you can work. Can you take a guy that doesn't know how to work and lead him to a passable match? Because I've had that task, too, where it's, well, I'm wrestling this guy. He sucks, for sure. But can I make the match passable? Mm-hmm. Or can I... Am I going to have a five-star match? Most likely not. But can I make it passable? Can I make it look like he's semi-competent? That's part of it, too. And see, like, I remember... Um, it was probably 2018, 2019. I remember just going in to like, most of the shows I was on and being like, well, if I... You know, I just want to... If I'm working somebody that isn't great, I just want to be able to make sure that, like we can have that match where people are like, where the hell did that come from? Like, sure. why aren't you working like that all the time? Yeah. Not talking about me, but the other guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I remember having several matches like that where people were like, what, where did that come from? Right. Because that was, uh, it wasn't great, but it was good, you know? Um, and so like, I remember priding myself on being able to, um, as, as people would say in wrestling, carry the other person, which um, is an important skill. Very. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like to me, cause like when I had my tryout with WWE, they were like, you can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. And it was very much a, can you work under pressure? Mm-hmm. And, and that's mostly what it was. It's, oh, oh, I know several instances where they would send a guy out. Yeah. By the way, don't touch the ropes. Yeah. Okay. That changes everything. Yeah. It's, right? a, it's at that point you're, you're wrestling in a, you know, just on a mat. You know? mm-hmm. So, um, and they're just going to see if you're going to crack under pressure. Mm-hmm. So that's one of those things. If I did not spend several years just wrestling. I mean, I, I know several days they put me in a ring with a guy like, just wrestle. Like, what, what, just wrestle. Roll around. Figure it out. And that's kind of when you learn. Like, I'm not an amateur wrestler at all to speak of, but I get rolled around by guys. And so you start, kind of start to learn how to move and guard yourself to some degree. Yeah. All those skills are important. I mean, I think it's one of those things. Like, you have to you have to think about... Okay, like I remember we had a big guy trained with us when I was in WLW. He was like 6'9". And I was like, okay, no one's going to body slam you. No one's going to hip toss you. No one's going to suplex you. But I want you to learn how to do it. Because if you get signed, which could happen, and he had an opportunity, it didn't pan out, but he got close. And you're wrestling Kane, and all of a sudden, like, yeah, I can't take a body slam. That's a problem. Yeah. Because Kane will body slam you. Yeah. Big Show will body slam you. Mm-hmm. Mark Henry will body slam you. So I want you to learn how to do this. And I was tr- I was trying to be upfront with the guy. Like, here's the thing. Like, you're you're gonna probably be choke slamming all of us and all that shit. And you're we're gonna protect your bumps and and that's another thing too. Like being a bigger guy. I haven't told this a lot, but I got taken advantage of early on. Where I was green, guys would like body slam. So I just go up, and they'd hold me up like a look at me. I'm holding up the big guy yeah. because they could because I didn't know any better. Then right. Harley like, don't you let those sons of bitches body slam you? Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm just I'm the green kid. Like I'm doing what I'm told, you know. So mm-hmm. it, there's kind of both sides of it where you have to kind of just you you learn as this business, you know, you learn as it goes, and just kind of try to figure things out for yourself sometimes. Yeah. Um, 
So like somebody I got to to know really well and somebody that I'm now able to call a very good friend um, was Rodney Mack. Mm-hmm. When I first met Rodney, I don't think he had an opinion of me, but I really didn't like him. And that was because like he he was he was when I met him a few times, it was very indifferent to me until he found out I knew Steve Anthony. Yep. And then he was like, "Oh, you have something to do with Steve, huh? Okay, you're cool." Yep. Basically, like once, once I, he got the verification that I was okay, then I then then we were cool. And that's how it was with me. Yeah. Um, because like, man, I really didn't like him, and that was solely because like we didn't plan anything in the match. It was like, hey, at some point, I'll tell you to go for a crossbody. Finishes this. That was it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we're starting. No. I don't know if he's wanting to lock up. I don't know if he's you know, and um, and that's probably his way of testing you. Yeah. And and like we we made it through the match. It was it was a good match. It was a good decent match. It wasn't anything complicated. It was very basic. Mm-hmm. Um, but like afterwards, he and Jacus came up and was like, "We love working with you guys. Like you guys listened. You sold your ass off for us. Like mm-hmm. we want to work with you guys again." And at that time, they were holding the ACW tag team titles. So they were like, "If we're gonna drop to anybody, we want to drop to you guys, um, but we want to create a story with it." So yeah. Um, and his very verification for me was Steve Cox. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like, oh, that's uncle Steve. Yeah, man. Like, and, and that was, you know, that was the start of that. Mm-hmm. We worked several other times and I learned a lot from him. Sure. Um, one of my favorite spots I think I've ever done was in a match with him when in that first match, he was like, go for your cross body. And like mid midway, he didn't tell me what was going to happen. It was just like midway through the cross body. He just slapped me out of the air and was like, yeah, I don't ever tell people that's coming. Cause then they'll like flinch up or something like that right it, it was it was so natural and hilarious because like i hit the crown i was like that son of a bitch <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um it, it became like one of my favorite spots and i've replicated it in like other matches with big dudes um, yeah which, which again that gives you something another tool in your arsenal right yeah. like ooh, there's something you can do especially if you're wrestling a big green guy yeah because and i've told guys that before too where if they're like on the smaller side they're wrestling a big guy i was like eat it don't let him catch you. You know, don't let him do his knees up because you don't know how it's going to be. Just eat the mat because you can control that. Control your own yeah. own bumps because, like, this guy body slamming you may not be safe. You don't know, especially if you don't know the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, and exactly. it's, just, it's just little things you have to do to take care of yourself. But, yeah, I think I think so much of that is, is so interesting. Like, he probably was a little like, hmm, I don't know about this kid. Works with you a few times. Like, okay, yeah. He's good, you know, like he can he can work, but I think that's that it's that trust level, right? You have to have that yeah that trust and like okay, let's see what we can do here. Like funny story to tell you, I was uh gonna do a show in Oklahoma back in like two thousand ten, mm-hmm. two thousand nine, two thousand ten, somewhere in there. And I was gonna wrestle Michael Berry, who had done some WLW shows a few years before, and I was the champion at the time, so I told I asked Harley, I said, like, Hey, would you mind if I took the title with me to the show and defended it there? And they haven't promoted it yet, but we Maybe last minute make it a WLW title match. And he sits there. Harley's so old school, obviously. Smoking a cigarette. Kind of motions for me to come in. He goes, don't let that motherfucker pull a fast one on you. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, do I need to send someone up with you? I was like, no. You know what I mean? But he's like, he's old school. They get an NWA title. They're going to try a screw job finish or something, you know? And yeah. this day and age, I was like, that's not really probably happening anymore. But at the time, like he was... And it up, the match didn't end up... We weren't able to make it a title match. It didn't end up working out. But I thought that was so funny that he was so he was so ready in his old school thought process that this could be a, yeah. a screw job and he'd have to be traveling state lines to get the title back or whatever. So. <laughs> it's um, it's funny because um, so Rodney and Jake has ended up dropping the titles to the hooligans mm-hmm. who then retired and 
kept the ACW tag team titles. <laughs> um, so, I so I guess doesn't always work out like you like you plan, right? Some things I guess still kind of happen, but I don't think anybody's doing like screw job finishes unless right. they're just really bitter towards somebody. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those weird things, right? Like, yeah. you, you hear about them, but it's like, I don't really think that's going to happen this day and age. Especially with the business being... Because I think a reason for a screw job is to protect the business, too. Yeah. To some degree, but not really happening in this day and age. But what do you think about that? Like, how... I mean, obviously, with this show, it's pretty open and honest. Wrestling's pretty open nowadays. Yeah. Um, part of me still, like... I'm, I'm like, do do we... Do we completely open everything? Do we open that can of worms? Or do we protect some secrets? Like, what's the right answer, do you think? So, um, dealing with, like, the whole kayfabe's dead thing. Mm-hmm. Kayfabe isn't dead. We're, we've just evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a new level. It's a new... Um, it's a completely new animal as far as that goes. It's not as simple as it used to be. Um, the thing about, like... And, and I said it earlier, like, the whole... I wonder what a person tastes like. Those were legitimate thoughts that crossed my mind mm-hmm. um, that I just brought out. And um, as far as like something that people are going to see from me coming, you know, going forward is the new shirt that's dropped is uh, it, it says fueled by hate. And it's 100 percent true. It's, it's there's no gimmick to that. I am 100 percent fueled by hate. And that's because there's so much. There's so much offensive things out there and there's so much people like so many people that'll come after you because you don't have the same views as them or, you know, whatever. Like, man, I hate that you're not open minded. I hate that you are so in your ways and I hate when somebody's doing better than me. So mm. I'm I'm one hundred percent fueled by hate, um, in the fact that like I will push myself to just insane limits to reach where I need to. Um, yeah, I totally get that though. Yeah. But the world is different now, right? Very. I mean, and I, and I've discussed, this is a whole nother topic, but like social media, right? Like I know I, I had the opinion for a long time. I'm like, I don't think social media is the problem. I think people are the problem and it's how they use it. Yep. But without social media, we weren't connected this way before. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like the weird catalyst of how, it all happens. I don't know. It's a weird, yeah, no, very it's a weird so. thing, right? You know. So, but it's like at the same time, we have smartphones now. Like, could you imagine going back to like a Motorola Razor? Oh, dude. <laughs> so, <laughs> fun fact: I had like an iPhone seven, and then um, it, it was my first like, I guess, anger spell that happened. It was like I, I got into a fight with my wife, and instead of taking it, you know, obviously don't take it out on anybody physically, but like. She walked away, and I was just sitting there going, fuck it. And I just, like, threw my phone, like, point blank at a wall. Like, she she was gone. Nobody was around me. It was just boom. And then I looked down, and I was like, well, that was stupid. Mm-hmm. Okay. You really well. showed that phone, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, the thing that, like, boggled my mind was, like, it was in an otter box. But regardless, you throw something point blank at a wall, it's probably just going to bust into pieces. Sure. So, like. That day, I was like, I'm going to go get myself a little flip phone or whatever, cheapest phone. And I remember sitting there going, I hate this. Six, six, seven, four, five. <laughs> to send a text. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was so bad. And I was like, yep, I don't know how the hell I did this. <laughs> well, it's it's that weird thing of that's what we it's what we had at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Um, I don't know if you've seen the last Blockbuster documentary on Netflix. Mm-mm. It's worth watching because basically it's a whole 
period of like what movie rental places were and how they basically don't exist now. Yeah. Is everything streaming and how people were talking about the feeling of, you know, renting your movie and what it was like. And I was just like, Oh man, that is crazy. That's fun. But like that, that's a dead thing. Like you're not going to rent movies anymore. People don't do that. Like not, yeah. not in that regard. Right. You, you maybe rent them digitally, but you're not going to rent them through a video store. Like DVDs are probably not even going to last that much longer. Yeah. Like, um, I, I think even Redbox, like I'm seeing less and less Redbox. Oh um, yeah. And like, I think the only like mo- movie rental place that is even around, at least this area is like family video. Yeah. And there's not many. No. I know, th- I know there's a couple yeah. and I remember driving by one one time and I, I guess I assumed it was, um, like vacant, mm-hmm. but there's signs that like Joker is out and I'm like, as that's right when it came out, I'm like, that's new. Like, Whoa, they're still open. Like yeah. that's still a thing. But I don't even own a DVD player, really. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I was sitting here, like, thinking, like, do I even have anything to play DVDs? No, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just such a, like, I, like what I was saying, like, how things are, like, kind of dead. You can't go back to that. And I think that's the same with, like, our phones, right? And, I mean, I've, I've talked to people, and they're like, oh, I don't really need social media. I was like, but that's not the whole thing about an iPhone. I Like, let me see if that restaurant's open. Oh, yeah, they're open. Let me see if, you know like what time this or that, or, you know, just, you're always checking stuff through your phone. It's a full blown computer in your hands, your GPS. I mean, everything like it's all connected to this one device to where it would almost be impossible to live without it to some degree. Yeah. And I I remember the job I have now, actually, when I first hired on, because I work in a chemical manufacturing plant that said, okay, you can't have your phone in the plant. You have to leave it in your locker. And I'm like, Oh, okay. That's going to be inconvenient. Mm -hmm. But you can check it on your lunch and on your breaks. I'm like, okay. And I did that for like three days and I realized everybody had their phone on them. Yeah. One guy's like, yeah, I, I can't not have my phone. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And so it's like, it, it's one of those things like, yeah, that's what you, that's what you do when you're bored. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, you have to have your phone. That's, that's the way it goes. I worked at uh, the Macy's fulfillment center out in Owasso for uh, just like one of the summer stints or whatever. Um, and I remember like they did the same thing. Like you can't have your phone on the floor. Um, a, you're not going to have service, but B like, we just don't want you having it. So you can keep it over here. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm, I don't trust anybody here. Right. I'm definitely keeping that on me. And lo and behold, I did have service. Yeah. So what I did was I listened to podcasts the entire shift. Exactly. But like, if you're, as long as you're working, what does it matter? Yeah. You know, so. It's not like I was like chatting up with, you know. You're not doing a Facebook Live or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, oh, and here we have. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's the weird thing. And then like. I think back to like when I was in like in school and stuff, I, was, I could imagine like a teacher passed out a test in first period that would hit everybody by second period. Yeah. You know, because that's just how things like that go. But yeah. I don't know. It's a different world now for sure. Well, I guess now, like now in schools, they have like Wi-Fi blockers and stuff. In some, class. some, pl- some places do. Yeah. I see. Like I, I'm just now hearing about this or I just heard about it the other day. I heard I a teacher like, got in trouble for that. Actually. That's crazy to me, man. Like, I mean, when I, granted, when I was in school, like, it wasn't like that. Like we didn't have like these iPhones and stuff like that. It was we had Motorola razors and yeah. stuff like that. Like, but you was... could text. I remember my senior year. I was kind of when text messaging hit. Yeah, but it was still like ten cents a text, you know, or right. whatever. Yeah, but it was, it, it's not like you had your phone like typing the question and then boom, there's the answer. Like it, it's so it's such a. Um, I mean, you can get an answer for anything in seconds. Yes, it's so crazy. Um, so them trying to figure out a way to refrain that from happening. Like, and I had heard a, a teacher did it kind of on his own a while back and 
of course you have different opinions on that. But I remember once the person said like, well, what if the school has like an intruder, which that's happened yeah. a lot, obviously, and no one can signal for help. Right. Because all the Wi-Fi is blocked. Like that, yeah, that's a problem. Yep. So I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I get a teacher's perspective of like how, especially kids, cause they don't, they're not going to get off their phone. Right. You know, they just glue to it. So now it, it, it jams the Wi-Fi, but does it jam your actual phone signal? That I don't know. Probably not. I, I mean, I would, I would think like, okay, so just don't be on the Wi-Fi. Like ninety percent. Well, I, I heard, well, I've heard it was like a cell phone. It was like a, a, a signal blocker. Okay, maybe because, like you said, if it was Wi-Fi, they would. If they have an iPhone, they probably have like, data. Yeah. yeah, right. So just don't use their Wi-Fi. Right. Obviously, so you should be fine. But if it's a signal blocker, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know enough about phones to know if that would work or not. Yeah, I don't either. I'm like I may I may like be tech savvy in some areas, but that's not one of them. <laughs> right. And I mean, I, I assume the teacher has a phone in his room, but I don't know. Surely. But again, it, it's, it's again, a very finicky situation because like the, the likelihood of an intruder is probably pretty slim, but it has happened before. Yeah. And if you know, you found out like something happened, but your kids couldn't signal for help. Ooh. Yeah. You'd be pretty pissed off. Yeah, for sure. So, so, I mean, but I've also heard teachers, like if kids are fighting, they can't touch them. They can just tell them to stop fighting. Yeah. Okay. So like my, uh, my oldest is eight and like he's dealt at school, like kid came up and hit him in the face. Okay. Well, like I'm going to tell my kid, like if somebody hits you, you hit them back. Of course. Like, you may not start the fight, but you're damn sure going to finish it. Mm-hmm. And like, cause, cause what happens the next day? He's yeah. going to do it again. Cause he got away with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like my mother-in-law is very much like a, no, just tell the teacher and da 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 But they don't, they don't do anything. No. And sometimes they don't care. Mm-mm. Yep. And like, I, re- I really just don't want to find myself in that position of like, all right, like you, you need to have a talk with the kid because, you know, I don't want to be in that position. I don't like talking to people. Right. So, um, but yeah, like, I don't know. It seems that like the, the more society comes into this like I don't, I don't know it's it's a weird non-confrontational style of but also super passive aggressive there yeah 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 um it, and and i don't know how to handle that i, I well i mean hey me too I, I don't i don't have an answer for you on that <laughs> like, one man like it's it's that weird thing of like like you were saying before like if you don't agree with me you're wrong yeah and that's that's not how it should be no and I don't know. I don't have an answer either. Like, yeah. I mean, because I see, I, I, I don't like to talk politics, but if you're, if you're looking at the presidential election and you think either guy is a saint, then you are an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's two con men essentially telling you like my way's better mm-hmm. and you're either going to side with him or you're going to side with him. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. So that's the part about all that that just drives me absolutely out of my mind. But so like, I I have since deleted my Facebook. Like I still have Messenger, and people can get a hold of me through that, um, and like Instagram and Twitter and stuff. But um, I I had shared something, uh, and it was a sarcastic thing, right? But it was like you know there have been three thousand different gods created, but only yours is actually real. Nobody else's, just yours. And people got very upset with that, and, sure. and very. Um, offended by that it's triggering yeah and and like i think people took it 
and uh, and, and we're like, oh, he's he's saying that you know, you know, he's making fun of my religion basically, and mm-hmm. that's not what it was at all. My thing is, I find it fascinating that like each individual person on this planet has a different belief. Um, some may agree with others, and others not. But like, think about it. If you break down Christianity, you've got Baptist, you've got Presbyterian, you've got you know Pentecostal, mm-hmm. you've got all these different branches of Christianity, and then like I don't know. It's it's such a weird thing to to realize that everybody's got a different belief, yet the same belief at the same time in a very odd way. Right. Yet, if you have a different belief, you're wrong. Well, and then I kind of go back to like, you know, the 9-11 terrorist attack, obviously, yeah. like a lot of those guys, like suicide bombers, the belief was we do this, we go to heaven. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's at least what I've heard. And you think, well, that's very an odd thing of way of thinking, especially for us. But like you said, everybody's got a different belief. Mm-hmm. And so that like, <laughs> what's right, you know? Right. Yeah. And I, I don't think, uh, treating people badly is the right answer on any circumstance. Mm-hmm. So like, um, this, this will probably be my first time ever, like actually saying this in a public fashion, but like I'm a Satanist. Mm-hmm. And if you break down with and Satanism, it, it's basically like, don't be a dick. Right. Like just treat others with respect, but that's super triggering. And, yes. I, and I've done some research on that too. So, and, and I've heard, and I've heard people talk about that because they're like, like I'm sure if you told someone that in person, they're like, like you know, yeah. they're gonna hold up a cross to you, you mm-hmm. know, like you're gonna it's the, burn it's them alive. T- it's the title alone that like gets people very triggered by it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, and I and I had a conversation with somebody on Facebook a while back about it. It was like all Satanists were you know pedophiles and terrible people and stuff like that. I was like, well, actually, if you break down the eleven satanic rules of the earth, like it says in there, like. You're not to harm anybody, right. and you're not to advance sexually toward anybody unless given a signal of some sort. Um, also, you're not to harm a hair on a child's head, and if you see somebody that does, you're, you know, to defend that child. Right. Which, like, if you look at all the rules um, of, you know, Satanism, it, it, again, breaks down to don't be a dick. Like, right. Treat others with respect. Um, and it, it's... It, it's bewildering to me that yes. people like take offense to, you know, me being that or, or, you know, that even existing. But a Catholic priest, yep. you know, I don't even have to say it, right? Yeah. Everyone knows what we're thinking, but yeah. so it's like, what's right and what's wrong. Exactly. Again, I think if you, if you take down sometimes your, your, your thoughts of like what we all know, what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. We should to some degree, you should have some mental thought of what is right and what is wrong. And if you try to, cause I mean, you know, I've heard people say this before too, and this is kind of a whole different topic, but like, like you shouldn't do that. Well, I'm, I'm a Christian. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that you're not doing something bad though. Right. You know? Yeah, so exactly. It's a very, it's a very unique world, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And like, um, so when I, when I deleted my Facebook the other day, my wife's like, so do you like, how are you going to explain that to people? Hmm. I don't have to explain it to people. Like, hmm. I wanted to delete Facebook for my own like sense of, excuse me, um, like deleting distractions. Sure. Like I'm in 
I am so focused on getting my body where I want it and being in the best physical shape I possibly can that I'm treating it as if I'm stepping on stage at a bodybuilding show. Mm-hmm. I don't want any distractions. And Facebook was a massive distraction. I've said this before. How many times have you been watching a movie you want to watch and then you start scrolling through Facebook? Like, yep. I don't care about this. Yep. What am I doing? And why? I don't know. It's that fear of missing out, I guess, right? I've done that and then like look up and the movie's ending and I'm like, Shit, I missed the whole thing. Yeah. Like, it, it's ridiculous. Um, Just to see some indie wrestling posters and crap like that, you know, right. that you don't care about, you know? Right. <laughs> so, um, but she, she was all worried, like, well, are you not, are you, aren't you worried that, like, people are going to be like, oh, you don't agree with my beliefs? Or I'm like, no, no, because if anybody asks, I don't care what you believe. Right. I care about you as a person. Right. I care about how you treat me and others in the world. That's it. I've always taken the approach with social media. Um, if you follow me to some degree, it's probably because of maybe podcasting or probably wrestling. Yep. You probably don't care what I think about the presidential election. So I don't ne- necessarily need to put that out there. Right. And I feel the same about everybody else. Yep. And everyone, make, a lot of people make that very obvious. And I just, I don't care enough. Like, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. We can discuss other things. I'd rather see... Like I saw a, a trailer for Space Jam today. Give me that. I don't care about other crap. You know, give me yeah stuff I'm interested in. I don't, you know, so I don't know. It's it's weird how that social media world has taken hold of a lot of people. But. Yeah, social media has given everybody a platform. It has, and I think it's kind of in a way helped cancel culture become a thing. Yeah, because it's oh god, we have to do something because all this bad stuff happened, but. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's again, the facts sometimes aren't there either. Right. It's funny um, that you that you bring up the cancel culture thing, because like I was talking with. Um, so I have a few friends that were targeted in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure you do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, man, it started off being a good thing. Sure. Really. It, I think it had great intentions and, and whatnot. But like it then turned into like this crazy witch hunt mm-hmm. um, that like. I sat back and watched. I was like, this is just getting ridiculously out of control. You guys are like digging up, you know, 20 years ago. And we were like way past that. Like the world has evolved. People have evolved. Like you guys just need to stop. (laughs) Of course you said different and more offensive things when you were 18. Sure. Right. Because you were an 18 year old. (laughs) Right. Same same with me. I mean, like that's everybody. Like it's, yeah, it is what it is. Like you said, we grow and become different people. To me, it kind of started, I don't know if you were out at Marvel earlier, but James Gunn, he got canceled for Guardians of the Galaxy 3 because of some tweets that he put out 10 years ago. So they're like, oh, you're fired off of that. So he jumps to DC to do Suicide Squad. Then they hire him back, but they have to push down Guardians of the Galaxy 3 because he's got to finish Suicide Squad. So it's like, really nothing, you did nothing here. Yeah. Except make it a big, you know, deal for no reason. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, 100%. I saw a Playboy interview from like the fifties, maybe not the 50s, maybe the sixties, uh, that John Wayne did. And he had said some very controversial things. It was the sixties and people were trying to cancel John Wayne. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not even in the same decade at that point. Like, <laughs> no, it's like, Oh my God. And of course it doesn't go anywhere, but I think it's just people trying to find something. Yeah. Oh, you said this one time. Aha. I'm going to yep. cancel you. 100%. Like people, I think people just get bored yeah. and, uh, and just, hmm, what can I stir up today? Right. Um, just like the whole like Eminem cancel thing. Dude, people have been trying to cancel Eminem for years. 
I remember people trying to cancel New Jack because apparently he has a, a, a what is it, a a son that does drag drag queens. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but I'm like, I think New Jack has some other stuff you could probably cancel him on before that because he, well, because he disowned his son who does drag queen stuff. Right now, did he disown him for that? Yes. Okay, but it's like New Jack's not squeaky clean though. <laughs> No. <laughs> so it's it's that weird thing of like, oh, God, here we go again. Right. Like, man, okay. So with – because I have people that um, are trans – I have friends that are trans and, and stuff like that. Um, but, like, just because that's not somebody's cup of tea doesn't mean you go after that person. Like, they just – Right. They're not into that. Like, right. That's okay. <laughs> exactly. We can all be different. Yeah. You know? Like, that's okay. You don't have to, like, try to, like – cancel them for that right it's whatever and like you said he's got plenty of other things you could go after <laughs> exactly I, I i don't know it's it's weird man but yeah of course now that we trash social media throw out your social media let people follow you <laughs> before we wrap it up here so um uh you can you can hit me up on instagram twitter twitch discord literally any any form of social media at i am wesley crane I keep it simple for everybody. Perfect. So. I love it, man. This is a lot of fun, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for being on. Absolutely. All right. We are back here on, you know, it's fake, right? The ongoing battle with the dirtiest four-letter word in pro wrestling. I had to start my clothes earlier because my dogs are chewing on something, you know, because that's what you want to hear on a podcast. Start out chewing on something. Oh my goodness, my goodness! I'm uh, well. I'm actually headed out of town tomorrow, so tomorrow morning, and so she's gonna be, she's gonna be taken care of by the one and only Big Underscore Bane. Which big shout out to him for helping me out with her because I've never had a pet my own self before, so definitely different and um, a lot of responsibility, a lot more responsibility than I had had before. So I'm glad that he's uh, gonna step in and make sure she's taken care of, food, water, all that good stuff. But again, like I said, big shout out to Wesley Crane. And, uh, I, again, I would love to have him on the show again. I think it's great to talk to people and, you know, I, I don't like to have people on too soon, uh, you know, from their first appearance, maybe about a year, but I mean, I think what's great is like, man, he'll experience so much more in that year. He'll grow as a person, as a performer, the whole deal. And we'll kind of get to sit down and talk it out again. I think that's great. Uh, next week, my guest, the one and only Drew Vinsel from Tales from the Estate. Very excited to have Drew on the show. Uh, I've touted Drew a, a lot. I love his podcast with his wife, Caitlin. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I'm staring at the Harley Race figure he gave me, man. Like, just a great, great dude. And that's what we need in, uh, in this community. I think Drew's a, a very great example of we can oftentimes look at social media as toxic and all oh, it's horrible. But you know what? I would have never met him without social media. A lot of the people I'm talking to right now, we may have not even met. But we became in contact through social media, and I think that's a really cool thing. Is there bad? There always is bad. But there's a lot of good, too, and I think that that's a cool thing. So thank you guys for checking out You Know It's Fake, right? Some quick shout-outs. Fully Posable, Doing the Favor, the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast, Ringside Rant with RJ, the Leisure and Lariats Podcast with my buddy Ruthless Ryan Davidson, Boot to the Face, Tales from the Estate, obviously with Drew Vinsel, Wrecking My Podcast, Trivia with Buds, Howling with the Wolf with our buddy Jason Wolf. And check out the Chop Shop. He's throwing out some stuff right now. Holy crap. Check that out if you haven't. Pulling up a chair with the chair shot. A Night at the Nerdy, a night at the Nerdy Laser Podcast with my buddy Richard. Plus, check out Podcasticon. Me and Bane dropped an episode there with Podcasticon on uh, the Dark Knight Trilogy. And me and Travis Fowler over at the TV Toy Cast dropped a 
show on toy lines based on fun movies. So all that stuff's worth checking out. Check it out at Podcasticon. And once again, Breaker and Bane's Power Hour, No Holds Barred with Bill Benis, TB Toycast, all my other stuff. And remember, as the great Johnny Valentine once said, I cannot make you believe that wrestling is real, but I sure as hell can make you believe that I am. I'm Brian Breaker. This is You Know It's Fake, right? We'll see you guys next week. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I can stand toe-to-toe with the best of the minute Don't give a damn about critics They talk a lot, but at the end of the night I'm selling the tickets All the tough guys avoid me The ladies all adore me Paparazzi record me I can put on a clinic All my opposers are born